death of religious charitable giving might just be greatly exaggerated. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my good colleague, Dr. David King. David so ably leads the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy, where we recently published an article in the Stanford Social Innovation Review on the eight myths of philanthropy. Some things you thought you knew might not just be fully accurate according to the research. And David, one of those topics is religion and charitable giving. We hear so much about a decline in religious affiliation uh, here in the United States, and it might be easy for people to think, well, that must mean there's less giving either to religious congregations or from religious believers. What do the data say? Well, it is true that religious giving, um, and defined pretty narrowly for, for much of the philanthropic uh, literature around giving to congregations, denominations, and missionary societies, uh, suffered its first decline since the Great Recession as far as total giving, and has been declining as a share um, uh, of, the, of total charitable giving for the last 20 plus years. So while charitable giving uh, to religious causes, particularly congregations specifically, has continued to grow, except for this past year, we saw a step back, it has become a smaller percentage of the over-charitable giving pie. That might be because we are seeing some declines in religious affiliation and attendance and participation in congregations, houses of worship, and that has oftentimes been one of the best predictors of giving to those organizations, naturally. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way we can define religious giving and giving uh, those faith motivations become an important predictor for how people give more broadly. So we want to talk about, well, maybe giving to congregations uh, continues to decline as the total share, but it, it, for many congregations, they continue to find a, a robust um, giving um, revenue stream. Uh, so it's not equal across those congregations, and we might want to revisit what we mean by religious giving. And so in 2018, the Giving USA study found that about $428 billion were donated in the United States. Religion as a share was about a third of that? It's down to 29%. Right, mm -hmm. and so down to 29%. And I know when I first attended the fundraising school about 20 years ago, uh, religion giving was about 50%. But that percentage is where maybe the myth starts coming in, right? Uh, that it's not that there has been over those 20 years less giving to religion, it's that religious uh, believers have been giving money into those other segments of the pie, uh, and we're seeing that consistently over time. Help our listeners and viewers understand that, uh, that what does Giving USA define as religious giving, and what are you seeing in the other part of that pie chart related to people of religious faith? Yeah, for, for various reasons, religious giving is most, most clearly defined as giving to congregations, missionary societies, religious media and denominations, which are oftentimes the umbrella organizations mm -hmm. for many congregations. Uh, narrowly defined in that way, congregation or giving, charitable giving to these religious causes has declined from over 50% in the 1980s and early 90s down to 29% today. But what we know is that at the same time, giving to congregations has declined as a total share of charitable giving. Many religious, um, religiously motivated donors have been um, giving to a variety of causes. And when we ask individuals themselves about the, um, the sort of identity of the organizations to which they give, they talk about it entirely a, more than another third going to what they would designate as faith-based organizations, religiously identified organizations. 
These are causes that many of us know that are the leading nonprofits um, in most other sectors like social services or international relief and development or healthcare or higher education. These are our colleges. These are Catholic uh, charities, Lutheran family social services, World Vision, Compassion, the Salvation Army, some of the most uh, name brand charities, the top 10 uh, nationwide. Many people give to those organizations explicitly because of the religious identity of those organizations uh, and maybe maybe redirecting some of their gifts from congregations to these other agencies. So we think that we might not be seeing a decline in religious giving. Uh, we're just seeing it spread out across a number of organizations. Kind of a redirection of charitable giving. So again, to summarize, uh, when you look at Giving USA, the pie chart that says religion is primarily religious congregations and religious denominations. But as David's research shows, people of religious faith are also giving to other faith-based organizations that land in those other pie wedges. So a gift to a faith-based university lands in education, a gift to the faith-based homeless shelter, lands in human services. But then there's something else for all fundraisers to be aware of. Our neighbors of religious faith often are giving to secular causes as well. There could be a gift to public university, Indiana University, based on someone's religious faith. What are you seeing there? Yeah, from, from years of our research that we know that people of faith give more often uh, and give more to both faith-based and secular organizations. So it might be the cause they care about, education, environmental issues, um, human services. That they may, um, so they're not gonna designate something as just because they're a person of faith, that that means they're only gonna be restricted to faith-based organizations. So for a fundraiser, uh, I think it's vital uh, to think about the person that you're going to engage with and, and think about what their values and, and sort of their ethics and what makes them uh, want to engage with your mission and cause and engage them on that level. And I think you might be surprised at the faith conversations you might find yourself having. You know, David, I want to talk about that. So somebody who is in a religious congregation, in a religious nonprofit, they might find it easier to talk to a donor who has religious motivation. Uh, I want to think especially about our, our fundraisers in secular organizations. They run that, that youth agency or that social service agency, that school and so forth. Uh, maybe the environmental organization. Uh, and they know that you know, there's a potential donor because of their religious faith might understand environment care in a certain way and, and want to make a donation. Our colleague, Dr. Lilia Wagner, she, she wrote a wonderful book, Diversity and Philanthropy, and she talks about how fundraisers need to be able to code switch, right? Meaning mm -hmm. they need to be able to speak that language of the donor, even if it's not their first language, so to speak. How can a fundraiser from a secular organization engage a donor of a religious faith if they don't have that religious faith themselves or in their organization, or maybe it's a different religious understanding. Help our secular fundraisers understand how to meet our religious neighbors. Yeah, I think that's, it's a twofold answer. I think the first thing is just some basic religious literacy. And so mm -hmm. that's a, that we're, on the, we're seeing a decline of religious literacy across the country. That's an important factor we know through studies of how we can uh, engage and deepen our civic and de democratic life together. So I think it would be easy for someone who's a fundraiser to do some basic uh, understandings of religious literacy, to know um, the basic principles of another person's faith. Think about this on a very practical level. If you're thinking about engaging across gender lines or thinking about food practices where you might have a lunch conversation, what are some of the dietary restrictions or what might be the best dress to wear for a meeting? These and uh, How would you approach someone in their home? These are things that you can learn. And, educate and, and be prepared for uh, and take, uh, I, I think, a very um, proactive um, sort of moving across and working with someone 
um, that you should, these are easy things to know. I think the second thing actually would be to do some of your own reflection internally. Mm. Whether you have a particular faith tradition or not, uh, I think any good fundraiser needs to know why they value the organization they work for, why they, think, why they should be a giver um, in their own um, avenues for where they might want to give and why. If you've done that meaning work yourself, no matter what faith tradition or no faith tradition you come from, I think it leads you to open-ended questions that you can put out there with a potential donor and partner uh, and let them start the conversation. Open-ended questions, let them take the initiative uh, and speak out of their own tradition. You don't have to be an expert in it. Don't be scared just because you don't know the ins and outs of every faith tradition. Do a little homework, ask the right questions, yeah. and be prepared to listen. And be prepared to listen. Active listening is so important with fundraising. And David, as we acknowledge, many people are generous for many different reasons. Some are religious, some are not. Uh, but when we look at the Giving USA study, as much as 86% of charitable giving comes from individuals, when you look at bequests, when you look at even some of the giving in the foundation segment of giving can be attributed to individuals, how much of that do we ascribe to givers who do so because of religious motivation. The percentage is relatively high, correct? Of individuals who are right. giving, yeah. Well, we, we see that for the most part, um, individuals are giving to religious causes, maybe more um, uh, in, in larger numbers than than some of those other, uh, other forms of charitable giving. Yeah. So more individuals, basic individuals are doing regular types of gift to faith-based organizations. And from a faith perspective, um, compared to some of those maybe million dollar gifts, foundation gifts. And so I think at a grassroots level in particular, t attuning oneself to faith um, is an important marker for a fundraiser. And you know, there's so many different things we look at and, and the research has shown, things like marriage, uh, parenthood, owning a home, uh, can be predictors, higher levels of education. So as you're doing your donor research, if you know somebody does have a faith background, it's not a guarantee, it's not automatic, it's just something to also include as you're learning about a prospective donor. And David, you provide so much excellent training through the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. What are some of those trainings that folks can take advantage of? Well, we're always excited to partner uh, with organizations thinking about their, their particular needs through any kind of uh, specific um, tailored training, but uh, we're, we're really proud of our executive certificate in religious fundraisers, um, that fundraising that we offer through uh, a variety of organizations, most often seminaries. Uh, uh, our staff is actually at Princeton just this week leading mm -hmm. a course. Uh, so we'd love for you to come to our website, which is at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy under Institutes. Look for Lake Institute courses and trainings, and you can find a variety of courses there and, and reach out for more information if you can't find what you need. And a lot of information on that website, which is philanthropy.iupui.edu. As David said, if you find the Institute's uh, toolbar across the top, scroll down, you'll find the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, all their research and their trainings. You'll also find a link to that article from the Stanford Social Innovation Review on the eight myths of philanthropy. And we busted one of those myths today that the decline in religious affiliation in the United States does not mean we see less charitable giving from folks who have religious motivation. By the way, on that website, if you go under the Professional Development tab, you'll find the Fundraising School with our 18 public courses, our custom training, quarterly webinars, and of course, these free podcasts. Again, that website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. With Dr. David King, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.